Hey, welcome to Creative Reset, the podcast that explores... Oh, wait, hold on. Just a quick note, stick around after the show to listen to the beautifully haunting song, Watching Fire Fly by the lovely Kelly Curran Ott. You can find Kelly Curran Ott playing all around the Chicagoland area, but this is one of her very rare original recordings. And we do hope there are many more to come. So I, I think you're perfect for the podcast because, and why don't I just start and and you'll you'll see you'll I, I hopefully you'll see uh, okay. what <laughs> what I'm doing. Do so, you edit? Do you edit it? We're not live, right? We don't go live. We're not live. No, 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 okay. no. Yeah. So so let me let me go ahead and start, and then we'll and then we'll because I'm afraid that if I if I start describing it, and we start talking, you'll say something amazing, and sure. and then I go then I gotta move it. things around. I'll go in cold. I can handle it. All right. Yeah, well, well, welcome okay. to Creative Reset. So I get to reset that. Welcome to Creative Reset, the <laughs> podcast that looks at the creative journey to help us understand our obstacles and how to go over, under, around, or right through them and reset our creative selves. Quick note before we start this week, if you enjoy listening to the wonderfully creative people like Tracy we have on the show, please subscribe, tell a couple people about the show. And so this week I am talking with a, a, an award-winning screenwriter, Tracy Beebe. Am I saying your last name correctly? Yep, that's right. All the E's. I do uh, I do know a, I do know a Beebe. So, so there, so I got it right. So good for me. Yep. How's your day going so far? Fabulous. It's just a beautiful, perfect day. I did. I got up early, spent some time with the horses, got a workout in, wrote a bunch of pages, did some coaching, got to just hang out in the sun, reading Stephen King. It's just been like an ideal day. That sounds like a dream day. Kind of is. Kind of is. More like this, please. Well, good. So, so your creative journey, I think, is an interesting one and, and and perfect for the show. I think we'll see. You know, maybe it's not. Maybe it's a disaster. Who knows? But uh, you haven't always been a screenwriter. That's right. Actually, I was a horse trainer for most of my life. I woke up one day when I was like thirteen and says, "I'm a horse trainer." And I actually was was giving riding lessons by the time I was fourteen. I was like, "That's that was what I did," and I built my whole life around that. I went to college for that. Like that was my identity and then Lyme disease tried to kill me and so I spent about a year and a half in bed slash in a wheelchair and the horse thing kind of wasn't really possible anymore and the losing of that identity on top of the illness just kind of crushed me what how old were you when that when that when the Lyme disease happened well I actually I I I got Lyme disease in my or when I was like 19, when I went okay. away to college, but it went I undiagnosed and kind of mild for decades. And then at, at 40, that's when, when things got really, really bad. And like there, was, like there was this day where I realized, okay, I either got to get busy living or get busy dying. Wow. Wow. And I, yeah, it was a big, big moment for me because I, it, it, I could have gone one way or the other. At the time, I, you know, I was in a lot of pain all the time. My body just wasn't, I wasn't getting any better. None of the doctors could, you know, were making it better. 
the medicine was just making things worse. I was a burden to my family, you know, and I had lost, I had lost everything that I had worked my whole life for. And, but I'm not the kind of person to, to just give up as much as like I wanted to in that moment. And it was just one of those weird kind of miraculous, fortuitous things a flyer came in the mail and like in my memory, it's that same day. It could be maybe days later, but in my head, it's that, it's that same day. Okay. And the flyer was for a creative writing class. And it was a class, you know, it was in my town, like four, four minutes away. So I could get a ride there at the time I couldn't drive. It was close enough that if I, you know, if I was too sick, somebody could come pick me up and, and bring me back home or, or whatever. So it was like, it was doable. And I, and I went and I, I wrote a short story about a horse trainer who was dying, <laughs> something original and happy, but it was like, it was the story that I had to like it purge. Right. Yeah. That makes perfect sense. Yeah. And, but there was something that happened in the writing of that story. Part of the class was we would share our pages with the group and read them out loud and, and then get feedback. And the way people responded, seeing people, you know, cry at the right moments or laugh at the right moments or be, you know, lean in at the right moments, fed a part of my soul that had given up. And I realized, oh, I like this. And then somebody said, this would make a great movie. And my brain went, bing, 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 bing. And so I Googled how to write a screenplay and bought all the books I could find and wrote it into a screenplay that was not good. And then like another kind of like fortuitous thing happened. There was a big screenplay festival thing happening when tickets were really expensive and somebody gave me tickets to go. And I went and I pitched that screenplay to some of the bigger studios and I wasn't ready and the script wasn't ready. And I had like little homemade business cards, but I was there and I was putting myself out there and Nobody says, oh, you silly 40-year-old lady, go home and, and go to bed. They all said, wow, that sounds like a fascinating story. And they may have just been being nice <laughs> and that's okay because it gave me the encouragement to keep going. And then I just sort of took off from there and I just, I took every class I could. I read every screenplay I could. I started networking with, you know, as many other screenwriters as I could and just built my career from outside of LA not knowing a single industry person. Wow. That's amazing. That is a <laughs> <laughs> definitely a reset. <laughs> that is a reset. You're right on target for what we're, you know, what the, the kind of thing that I think people should hear about, right? Your story is that should inspire a lot of people. But let me ask you this. You, from about age 13, you said you, you, you knew horses were going to be your life. Were you doing anything creative? Were you doing any writing or anything like that before that time? Was there, was there anything that interested you in terms of writing? I read a lot. I lived in stories. Stories were my escape from any of the you know challenges of life, ups and downs of, of being a kid and traumas and, and just you know, being a junior high kid is, you know, is traumatic enough as it is. And so stories were stories and horses, you know, were the thing that kind of gave me 
purpose and and like I said I can escape and I did I wrote I wrote short stories like in school and I remember you know I had a English teacher in in high school who really believed in me and and encouraged me to write and but it was it was never and nobody ever told me you can't make a living at that but in I guess somewhere in my head I had that message you can't you know you can't be a writer like that's just not something something that anybody can just do I don't know how that like certainly <laughs> I don't know why I was able to ride horses and train horses and be you know and train el I trained elephants too I don't know why I could do that but not write I guess all in its own time but I mean I, I did I actually I didn't remember it for a long time but an old friend reminded me of I actually did write a screenplay I don't count it as my first screenplay but I did write like a like a little screenplay that we were going to try to film about a killer horse and I was like 12 when I wrote that I'd like to find that someday that could be interesting to see <laughs> the short answer is story was always a part of my life I wasn't always writing but I was at least always reading so it wasn't like it was a complete out of the blue but it was definitely a pivot yeah. And it sounds like, I mean, it sounds like, you know, the sort of the, the same instinct to find your way through stories. And perhaps you couldn't find the exact story to find your way out of the illness. And so you had to just, you know, go ahead and write your own. And I think that's another, that's I think that's a great way to put it. That's a great way to put it. I don't, nobody's ever said it quite like that, but that's exactly, that's exactly it. And so let's talk about, let's talk about that moment, that inflection point in your, in your life and talk about sort of that first, that first film. And I'm, I'm a little, you've got producing credits and writing credits. And so what do you consider your first film to be? Well, so most of my screenplays haven't actually been made yet. So my first screenplay was that story. It's actually a bit, it's in production, it's in development with a producer now. But that first story about the horse trainer who was dying and trying to find uh, a legacy to leave behind is my first, my first screenplay, but not necessarily my first film. So my first film was a little short film that we did called Dog Years. It's only four minutes. Definitely check it out. It's worth watching if you are a dog person at all. Kind of a like a love letter to all the old dogs that I had kind of, you know, been my friend through my life. And it's sweet and won, the, won a bunch of awards. And, and, and it's uh, one thing that about that short film, it, it is only four minutes, but it was something that I challenged myself to do how much emotion and story could I put in to just four minutes? That was the, like, that was the challenge for myself. I feel like I, I rose to that challenge pretty well. And even, and doing that has helped me to be a stronger writer for the longer pieces because, you know, as succinct as I had to be, that way I can, you know, each of my scenes in my longer feature films can be tight and, and impactful. So, yeah, that was your first short film that you, that you made then? That was my first, that was my first film as a producer. Mostly, I haven't, I have not actually made a feature film with me. I've made... I've produced several short films. I write feature films, but I don't produce them. I hand them over to, to more people more experienced out in LA that can <laughs> handle that for me. <laughs> okay. But you've got a whole ton of short films that that I, I did see. Another one I saw was, oh, I'm blanking on the title right now, of course. It was, was it scary? Date from Hell. Date from Hell. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which, you know, from the title, I'm like, it's, it's about right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> don't watch that one unless unless you like blood. That one was actually I partnered with a, a good friend of mine. We we hadn't we didn't know each other before that, but we became really good friends after that, and actually made it several films together afterwards. And he came, you know he had come to me with this this idea and had a, a rough version of the script and and asked me to come in and you know put my spin on it and then help him get it made. And that was kind of my the first project that I did working for someone else or with someone else I should say and it was a great adventure and actually it's today is the three-year anniversary of when we wrapped uh, on production on that so it's kind of fun to be talking about it <laughs> it's wildly divergent from some of the other yeah. things that I've seen on your IMDB page I, I you know I write mostly horror I, I write mostly in my when I'm writing feature films, it's mostly horror, horror thriller, because, well, one, having grown up with Stephen King and losing myself in those stories, I love, I love being scared and I love scaring. But what I always like to say, and it's funny because I'm a big, like, I'm very much a, a love everybody and rainbows and unicorns and happy and dogs and cuddles and kind of a person, but I really like the scary stuff. Because for me, it's like a, an a allegory to life. Like this, you know, one, I have gone through many traumatic or, or terrifying experiences. The illness, for example, you know, was losing everything, going through like this thing that I could not overcome. And so in horror movies, it's, you know, I put my characters in these horrible situations that they have no way of overcoming and they do. And so to me, horror for me as a writer, horror is always about hope. Oh, okay. um, <laughs> but think about it. I know it doesn't sound, but like when you first hear it, you're like, wait a minute, but think about it, right? Like you have usually women, usually someone completely inept at whatever they're being challenged with. And, you know, the scariest monsters, the biggest sharks, the, the guy with the biggest knife, and yet they find something in themselves that enables them to come out on top. And that right. kind of sounds like life, doesn't it? It does. It does. <laughs> Date from hell. Yeah, it sounds <laughs> like my life, yeah. So you mentioned Stephen King a, a couple of times now. Do you model yourself after him? Do you, have you looked into his process, you know, how he goes about his writing and all that sort of thing? I have the utmost respect for him and his, and his process is amazing. And everybody, if you have any intention of writing at all, Stephen King on writing, his, <laughs> his books on writing, not just his novels, but his books on writing are phenomenal. But I wouldn't say I model myself after him. What I do where I would love to be compared to his writing is that while I do have scary stuff and blood and, you know, fantastical elements, my stories are very strong character driven. So they don't rely on the scare tactics and the blood and the, and the, the jump scares and that sort of thing. They, they are journeys for these characters. And I think that's something that I, you know, that's, that King does so well and that I aspire to being that good, bringing those characters to life and making us believe in the journey, no matter how, how out there they are. You've actually, to kind of go back to your, your films, it, it seems like you've been working 24 hours a day over the last two or three years. Pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. So this, this kind of goes along with the, the theme of your, your, the show, I think your podcast, because I don't have 
I'm not ancient. I've got many years ahead of me, but I can also still hear the clock ticking. Like I don't have time to screw around. I don't have time to be distracted. I live, eat and breathe story. I live, eat and breathe screenwriting, go in, you know, the production and making movies goes along with that, but it really comes down to telling stories. I have designed my life and, and been, I, for a while I lived on $700 a month so that I could write instead of having to work a full-time job in the early days and, and, you know, work, work towards that. And I'm not one to push grind over flow. I, you know, in the beginning I was grind every day and that's how you'll get there kind of a person. I've grown more away from that into believing and, you know, show up for your craft and the craft will show up for you, but you, you know, it's not quite the same intensity of push, push, push. It's more be, be your story, be your craft, be your, the thing that you're trying to create. Does that make sense? I feel like that's the first time I've ever said that. And I don't know if it made any sense at all. It makes perfect sense. <laughs> you have now with, with the grind versus flow, I'm, I'm assuming you've kind of, you've kind of fallen into a, a way of working. Can you tell me a little bit about how you go about your day, how you work in your writing, how you work in, you know, production and all that sort of thing? Oh yeah. So especially uh, in the first couple of years, I think I went four years without missing a single day of writing. So the first four years I wrote, I made a commitment to write every day, whether I was sick and I was really sick. I was in, you know, in and out of the hospital and, and a lot of pain and not a lot of drugs for a while. <laughs> and Christmas, family holidays, birthdays, vacations didn't matter. I wrote every single day. And that was, and I think, and I still am a believer in that. Like I, I do think that especially when you're first starting out, the way that you're going to learn who you are as an artist, the way that you're going to get better at your craft, the way that you're going to prove to the universe and yourself that this is important is by showing up every day. Now, you know, that I've been at this a little bit longer, I'm less concerned about the quantity of days and more concerned about the quality of days. So my day looks like I wake, I get up, <laughs> I do a little bit of meditation, really focusing on gratitude. I'm a morning person. So getting up early, it, you know, the animals, the horses definitely insist that I get up early. And then I will usually, I'm a little bit, so it's kind of funny because I used to be extremely strict about this up until the pandemic lockdown situation. I was very regimented in how I spent my day. Like I could show you my list every 30 minutes, very, very planned out like clockwork. And that I think also, you know, that really worked for me for a long time. And then, you know, the kind of the whatever energetic slash emotional shift that happened during the pandemic, where we all just went, we were like, what's happening? <laughs> you know, like, even though I, even though like my day to day didn't change, because it's not like I had had a job to show up to. And now I had to work from home or anything like that. It was still just a weird, like, you know, I remember saying over and over again, what day is it? What is time? You know, you remember that, right? So I still do that. So, right, yeah. <laughs> so I kind of got more into, I, I tried to get more focused on being fluid with myself while still having goals. So allowing for days where my energy was a little bit lower or I was distracted by the mask wars or whatever, and not judging myself for that because that judgment gets in the way of creativity, right? So 
allowing for some of that while still having my goals and some milestones uh, goalpost in mind. So now my day is this. I get up, I do a little meditating, I plan out my day, I, I will either write first and then work out or work out and then write. And usually that first little writing session is really just a little bit of warm up. Some people do morning pages at that time. Usually I will go and work on a project. So I'll do a little tuning up on some pages from yesterday, or I'll do a little outlining, or I'll maybe do some brainstorming, like I've got a character problem that I need to figure out. You know, I one of the things that a, a lot of people might not realize, but as a working screenwriter, I have at any given time, probably three or four projects that I'm stacked. And okay. so juggling those and knowing and they're all at various stages right so once one might be at the very beginning concept phase one will be an outline one will be at a third draft one will be at a polish or or something in between but there i remember early on hearing that that was a thing and i'm like oh i would never do that i would be unfaithful to my story and my characters and and also it would be really hard how do you keep track of it all but the truth is, as a, as a when you're a working writer, like that's that is the truth of it. You you have multiple projects because you've got multiple producers expecting different things. You have your own projects to be t keeping track of, and there is no time to just set something aside. And that's pretty much it. <laughs> so so how do you keep track of it all? So I don't I know right. There are some writers who have like a spreadsheet, and they have like okay, this project's at this phase, and this project's at this phase. I don't do that. I have I have just have a checklist <laughs> on my whiteboard. I don't know if you can see it, but yep. <laughs> it's just a checklist of like, okay, here's the, here's my goals. This project's at this, I need to do outline first draft and second draft of these different things. And then I check it off as I go, because it feels good to check it off. Right. The, the stories, as far as like keeping track of the storylines or the characters, the thing that I was worried about when I, before I started doing that, like that doesn't seem to be a problem. Like they keep, they are in their own little box in my brain. <laughs> Okay. At the risk of sounding like a crazy person, <laughs> each story and each set of characters are, are, it's no different than keeping track of who your friends are, right? Like to, to me, these characters are real people in real worlds, in real situations. I mean, I know that they're not, I am not actually that crazy, but when I'm working with them, they, they take up the same space in my brain and in my heart as family members or as friends. So like, you know that Uncle John is not the same person as your professor from law school, right? I just made all of that up. That was a lot. I don't know <laughs> where that came from. <laughs> but there's no problem keeping those, those character traits or, you know, jobs or daily challenges or whatever separate you might like if it's not somebody you know very well you might forget their kid's name or their spouse's name or whatever but if, if it's somebody you know the way that I intimately know my characters they keep into their own lane I've never had knock on wood never had a character from one storyline leak over into another storyline which is what I had thought would happen although now I think that would be fun <laughs> well well i actually i do have a funny little thing i don't know if i should share it so i have like a little easter egg that i implant into my screenplays that nobody else would know about but i know about it and i love it because it's like it's my own little universe that carries over it's like you know you have the marvel universe where each story does connect 
even if it's a bit different superhero or a different set of characters, there's a piece of it that connects the whole world, the universe together. Mm-hmm. I have my own little Tracy BB universe, but nobody knows about <laughs> it but me. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's good. And your 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 universe is actually quite large. And there, so one of the points of this this podcast is to explore your journey and have people find points of commonality with their own lives. And I've noticed, and and usually around now, I would ask for you know advice for people who might be you know wanting to make a change or or write on the side or or you know mm-hmm. just do some sort of creative thing that that's always kind of been part of them, but maybe they've Maybe they pushed aside until they retire or something like that. Right. However, you have a, a book called No Excuses. No Excuses. No Excuses, right anyway. That's right. It's a tough actually, love workbook. It is. It's a workbook. <laughs> and it's mostly, it's it's set up for screenwriters, but it, it works for writers of any kind. And actually, I've had several different types of artists pick it up and really get something out of it. Like I have a, um, a musician and he's like, do you, I want to check out your book. I think it might help me. I've been stuck in that. I'm like, yeah, check it out. Let me know what you think. And it, and it just opened up everything for him. And actually I've actually just started coaching mindset coaching for writers because that thing where I want to write a book or I want to write a screenplay or someday I will, or I have a story on my heart, but I just don't know where to start. What if nobody will want to see it? And all of those like limiting beliefs that really attack people when they start thinking about creating, no matter what it is, whether it's writing or painting or creating music. I've started mindset coaching for that and, and really helping writers kind of focus in on what it is they want to say and how to say it and how to use those limiting beliefs to actually empower them, you know, so you have a belief that this thing, this story that you've been telling yourself of why you can't tell a story, let's dig into that and figure out like, why are you saying that? What makes you believe it's true? And how can you actually use that as a strength? And I love it. It's so exciting. And so I just get so lit up about it because I know how it feels to be in that position, right? And then knowing I have a story on my heart, but not having a clue of of how to get it on the page and knowing that if I get it on the page, it will heal a part of me. And so helping other aspiring writers find their way to that is, is really cool. I'm really enjoying that. How does the how does the book differ from the coaching or are they are is it are they similar? It's very very similar and actually it, it actually it's the writing of that book was part of why I decided I wanted to be coaching because the writing of that book was and publishing it was so intimidating. I'd written I don't know a bunch of screenplays by that point but a book was a whole different what if I got it wrong? What if I, what if I'm, you know, I, I published it and like, then it's in black and white and, 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 you know, it's wrong or I, I don't know, you know, all of the, again, all the limiting, all those limiting fears. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so I got it, I finally got it done. I'm like, God, why did I make such a big deal? <laughs> it's, it's, if I'd got, I can always rewrite it and republish it. Like, you know, so, I mean, it took a couple of years from the publishing of that book to, to where I am now and, and working with writers in, in that in that way, because I wanted to try to figure out like what it was, what was my message and how how did I really, what was the best way I could be helping writers? And so so they really go hand in hand. The book is, is a workbook. It's got 
tips and tricks to like, you know, if you, if you woke up today feeling like, you know, that you, you're procrastinating, well, what is behind the procrastination? And here's some exercises, quick exercises you can do to kind of work around it, like trick your mind into actually moving past it. And there's some meditations in there. And I, and I think there's even a link. I can't remember, actually, it's been a little while now, but there's a link to, I did some recorded like affirmations for writers. And I think there's a link in that in the book and that. So they, they, they go hand in hand. The coaching though is like a, is a much more in-depth, much more hand-holding career guidance, one-on-one in, you know, live on Zoom, you know, working together towards the writer's highest good. So can you tell me a little bit about the process? Let's say I were a client, I'm, I'm coming to you, I'm, I'm help me, help me write <laughs> this, this, you know, I, I want to write a script. I've got this story in my head. How do I get it out? So what's the, mm. what, what's the kind of, how would you help get you know someone started? I suppose. Awesome. So the, the, it really depends on the individual because everybody comes to me at different stages. So I have right. clients that are working writers, you know, who I ha- actually I, ha- I had a client come to me a couple of weeks ago. He'd gotten his first big contract for a script sale, and it was terrifying him. And and luckily he had the the foresight to like ask for help instead of just like letting it letting it spiral him out of control and and possibly blowing this biggest deal of his life. And then I have people who you know they know they want to write their memoir because it's important and they even if they don't ever sell a copy they want to get it out and like and everything in between. And so it really depends on on the individual and what their goals are and where they are in the process. But basically we sit down and we celebrate your wins together, get in the habit of noticing where you are showing up and being successful, even though you might not feel like it. We talk, it's a lot about awareness. Why haven't you written your book up to this point? If you've been wanting to write a screenplay, why haven't you? What has been holding you back? Most people don't actually know the answer to that until we, until we start digging into it. Um, and they may have, oh, I don't have enough time, but that's really just an excuse. Thus the name of the workbook. We kind of like dig into the things that are holding you back. And then I'll give you some, some action steps. Like for example, a client that I worked with this morning, he's, he's been want this book has been on his mind for years and he's just been terrified to do it because he knows he'll get it wrong. He has all these limiting beliefs and we worked on, okay, write down every single one of those limiting beliefs. And then let's sit down and see if we can come up with some way around it. And most of the time, the way around it is so easy. People are like, why didn't I think of that myself? And most of the time they are thinking about thinking of it themselves. I'm just guiding them in that direction. But, but it really is about, it's a lot of mirroring, help giving, giving a creative person a sounding board. Maybe they need to brainstorm some things. Maybe they don't know why they're stuck. And then, and then also a, a little bit of career guidance. So you thought you wanted to write, you want to be a working screenwriter, you want to sell a screenplay, but your script is going to cost somebody $15 million to produce. Is that the right choice? Could you maybe start with something that costs $5 million to produce, get some traction, get a produce credit behind your name, and then work on selling this other $15 million script? Things like that. When you started that sentence, I thought you were going down to say $5,000 to make, <laughs> well, to well, make sure. something. And you, you only went to 5 million. 
<laughs> which still like would terrify me to to, to say you know it, so do you do you ever have people sort of back all the way down and make like a like a like a micro budget short or anything like that oh absolutely one of the best things one of the things i recommend all the time to to aspiring screenwriters is make your own short film the way i did with dog years not only will you learn a lot about what it takes to make a movie because most screenwriters have no idea what happens once they've once they've handed over the script to the to the producer you know get on set get a feel for that understand what it why you know why we can't have helicopters exploding you know <laughs> to cut that out it doesn't change the story and it saved 10 million dollars so you know things like that and also you know it's a great way to kind of get your network building and, and all of that and you're building momentum behind your career and then you finally have that first produced credit on imdb so when a producer says oh this is a cool script but who's this writer you've got something behind your name. So there's, yeah, I often recommend <clears throat> that writers make, make a short film okay. for, all, for all kinds of reasons. Okay. Are you taking any of your short films and, and expanding them into to full length or are, have you just gone, or you just have different stories for those? Uh, yes and no. So most of the time, m most of the short films that I have written that have gotten produced were standalone pieces for their own thing. They were to be to to get into festivals and and get some produced credit behind my name or or behind the director's name or whatever. And they also are once they get into film festivals, then you are networking and then you're building your your tribe and you're you know then you can get people to maybe hire you to write screenplays. So I've got if if you go on my IMDb, there's several projects on there that I was hired to write that I had nothing to do with as a producer. But then there are some, like Date From Hell, we have been slowly kind of off and on developing that into a feature film. It's a pretty big budget one though. So we've like, every once in a while, we just sort of put it on a shelf and then and we go back to it. Many people do that. They will write a short film, they make a short film and it works as a really great proof of concept for a feature film. And then you can use that as a way to sell the script. Where I am, I, where I'm at right now in my career, this sounds so egotistical. I don't need to do that anymore. <laughs> I am, I'm able to work with producers that have a concept and and develop the concept with them, and then they hire me to write the script. So, oh, nice. okay. And the and the producing side of things, I really am focusing on my writing. So I I produced a bunch of movies over the last four years. Like you said, it looks like I didn't sleep, and I kind of didn't. And actually, we've got like three more coming out in the next couple of months that that have been in post production for a while. But those take a lot of time and energy. And so I got what I needed from that experience. I built my credits up. I built my my tribe. I learned everything I could from working various aspects behind the camera, you know, producer, production manager, craft services, which means I'm serving people coffee, assistant director, and, and you know, all the different things that I could work. So again, so that I could learn and be a better writer. And then, and now I'm taking all of that and I'm just writing a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think, I think knowing all of those different aspects of making a film is, is, is important. To everyone, to the writer, to the actor, et cetera, et cetera. I've talked to actors mm -hmm. who work as PAs because it being behind the camera and, and seeing what's going on is really helpful for that craft as well. So, so yeah, I, I, I see that a lot. You mentioned the pandemic and all the work you've been doing. How did the pandemic affect your trajectory? How did it affect your your work? Yeah. So the pandemic really shut Hollywood down. 
obviously. Yeah. I mean, everybody that I know that was on a project or, you know, on a, had a film about to go into production or was even filming or was like, we start filming the, you know, next week, just shut down. I had a script hit the market at the, you know, kind of at the middle of, or, I don't know, like last spring that would have, it got picked up, but it would have gotten much further along had it not been for the pandemic. And we were, we had a slate of like six films that we were going to produce last year, including a featured film actually, where we were going to produce our first bit, first feature. And the, that just, we just couldn't, you just can't do it. We did end up actually, so we, we shot a short film right at the beginning of the pandemic before anybody knew it was a pandemic. And we got lucky, we got that one done. And then everything kind of went to hell and we're like, whoa, we were one of the last movies that got made. It was just a short film, but it, it certainly wouldn't have gotten made three months later. And then towards the end of last summer, we, we were hired to come on to a project. A writer that I had been working with actually wanted to make his first film and asked us to come on board to help him get it made. And uh, so we ended up, making a pandemic film it wasn't about the pandemic but we call it a pandemic film because you're in the middle of the pandemic trying to make a movie but I, we had some rules that we set in place that to make it possible one it had to be in, shot entirely outdoors and then two we had to have a, a covid compliance officer which was a, which was a role a set job that did not exist <laughs> a year ago <laughs> that is now like uh, a, a mandatory thing on most projects. Everybody had to get not. We didn't require testing, and there was some reasons behind that that the that the executive producer was kind of made the the rule on that. But because we were shooting outside, and but we did make everybody take an online COVID safety course and get certified. Why am I telling you all this? I'm telling you all this because it doubled the budget and doubled the time it took to make the movie. So that's that's how it affected us. And it and we ended up making, you know, it's good. It's it's in post-production now. And I think it's gonna be a really solid project, but it was hard. And it was it was good timing for me though, because it made me realize, okay, it's time to go back to the just get behind your desk. <laughs> go, <laughs> go, go write, let other people deal with this stuff. And it wasn't so much that like it got burnt out or anything like that. It was just that I had done the hardest production I could ever imagine doing. I had done I did that one. And then the, the the year before I had done two projects where I was producing with a hundred cast and crew and like managing all of that. I was like, okay, I feel like I, without going into feature films and having, you know, that $5 million, $10 million budget, this is about as far as I, I need to go as a producer. And now it's time to go take all of that, all that I learned and all these stories that are running around in my brain and get them on the page. Not that I had stopped writing. I just split my time, I guess, if you will. So what's coming up next for you in terms of projects? That's a good question. So I'm working right now with, I have three projects in development. These are projects that, that we're working, that the producers are actively involved in the creation of the story that then I write with them. Those are really fun. I can't talk too much about them, but they are, I love, I love the producers I'm working with. I love the stories I'm working on right now on this super cool action adventure, badass female, super, not like superhero, but just like really like 
great character and she's not young and she's completely out of her depths because you know the thing the thing that she has to do is beyond you know triggering every trauma she's ever experienced and I'm just loving writing that story and I cannot wait for that one to get made. I have a, a script that I wrote gosh it's been a couple of years now Hollywood moves slowly especially because of the pandemic but it made the top of the blood list which is Hollywood has these lists that where it's not really a contest but if if a script gets onto say a studio executive director or producer or a development executive or whatever gets into their lap and they love it they pass it on to their friends and then it creates buzz around it. And so there's several lists out in LA for these projects. And so the blood list is the top, I think they do the top 10 most, most talked about or best unproduced screenplays um, of that year. And the blood list is specific to horror and thrillers. Okay. And so my shark script called Deep Water made the top of that list and which has been really cool. So I got in all the trades and it was like, it was kind of like this big buzz. And it was like my first real, like true Hollywood experience. And uh, that one is getting some really good, I wish I could tell you about it, but I can't. No, that's, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I understand. Traction behind it. So that one, yeah, things are happening with that, which is exciting. The other, let's see. I just, oh, that's what I wanted to tell you about. I had, I got hired to adapt a, a true story, a, a mem memoir that a, an author had written and she wanted a screenplay made from it so that she could try to get it turned into a movie. And it's called The Longest Trail. And it is a really neat story. And it kind of combines my two worlds with the, the horse stories and the world of horses and scary stuff although there's no blood well there's a little bit of blood but there's no like true horror but it's there's some intensity it's not like a sweet family story about a horse and a girl it's a kind of a it, it she's it's a story about a traumatized teen who actually steals a horse and runs to runs away to live in the mountains in, in the 1960s and like how she finds herself up there and it's a true story and so that one that one is really neat and I hope that one actually gets takes off because I think it's a story that could really inspire a lot of people. Nice, nice. So do one more thing. Go ahead and plug all of your your stuff. Your all your, of my where, things. Where, all your things. Where where can we find the book? <laughs> okay. Well actually let me tell you. So you asked a minute ago what what advice would I give to definitely buy the book. <laughs> but <laughs> <laughs> perfect. But actually but actually I would say this read more and write every day like if you just do those two things you will be 10 times farther along than than anybody else even if all you do is write a sentence or you know a, a, a paragraph or whatever just write every day get in that habit prove to yourself and your muse and the universe that this is something worthwhile this is something worth doing. And then, so yeah, so that's like my main advice. And then read, read more. If you're going to write scripts, read scripts. It's amazing how many screenwriters come to me and tell me they've never, well, wannabe screenwriters come to me and tell me they've never read a script. I'm like, you've got to read screenplays because you need to know the flow of them, the structure of them, the format, all of those things. And then, you know, if you're writing a novel, read things in that vein. If you're writing a memoir, read a bunch of memoirs. So read more, write more. That's, that's the ticket to success, really. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
Uh, and then to plug all the things, I mean, the check out my website, tracybb.com and the right mind coaching.com. The right mind coaching has some, you know, you can actually get a, a free coaching session with me and I can help you kind of figure out what it is you want to do and, and if you want to write a thing and why you want to write the thing and maybe some steps to get you going. And then if coaching is right for you, great. If not, happy writing. Follow me on Clubhouse for sure. I offer a lot of Clubhouse rooms for aspiring writers. I bring on producers and directors and award-winning screenwriters and produce screenwriters and, and allow you to interact with them and ask questions. What else? Instagram, I post a lot of pretty horse pictures and, and sunsets. So definitely check that out. <laughs> and the book, you can find the book on my websites or it's on Amazon. Okay. All right. Sounds good. All right. Well, thank you so much for, for, for coming on. This is, you're a, a wealth of information and inspiring to me. And I hope, you know, and inspiring to, to other people as well. So, thank so thanks again. Well, thank you for the opportunity. I actually love this topic. I think it is the messages that you, if you haven't been doing the thing since you were 12 years old or, you know, your whole life, then there's no point in doing it is wrong. Those are, those are lies that people tell you to, to keep you from shining. So I just, I really feel passionately about inspiring people to pivot. If, 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 if you are in a space where you want to start creating listen to that call on your heart because the world needs your thing. And I think we'll leave it. That's a wonderful thing. That's a wonderful statement to leave on. <laughs> Thanks again. And, and I will probably see you sometime if I could find, I can never find what I'm looking for clubhouse. <laughs> I will help you come, come. I, I will show you around if you'd like. I'm a, I'm a clubhouse professional at this point, unfortunately. <laughs> Well, the thing is, I, I've, I've been, what I've been doing lately is meeting with a group that, that reads Spanish poetry almost daily. And so now every single thing I get oh, is, you've you know, trained the app. I did. I did. <laughs> and so I'm, so I, I can't find anything else, oh, but I'll, no. I'll, you know, I'll look around, I'll, I'll find you and, uh, and hopefully see you there and, and, uh, and listen to you there as well. Thank you. I hope you do. It's great talking to you. I really enjoyed this. All right. Thank you very much and have enjoy the rest of your day. You too. Bye-bye. Right, bye. So thank you again to Tracy Beebe. And here is Kelly Curran Otts watching Firefly.